You're listening to audio recorded at Mount Air First Christian Church. For more resources or to contact us, look us up at www.mountairfirstchristianchurch.org. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 through chapter 2, verse 3. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have had, I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." grass withers, the flower fades. Word of our God stands forever. Great causes produce great battles and great acts of valor. Um, I just recently, uh, for certain reasons, not because I necessarily chose to, but have been because of class stuff that I'm doing. I've been reading Odysseus uh, and been reading uh, The Odyssey, been reading uh, The Song of Roland. I'm not sure if any of you has ever read, probably way back when you took college classes, they made you take, read The Song of Roland. Um, been reading all, Homer, lots of the just kind of great, uh, these incredible acts of valor and, and nobility and just taking up great causes and probably doesn't hurt that I've been watching Hamilton, the musical, which is just a great story of just fighting for the, the cause of America, the great sacrifices and fights and battles that were involved in just, just great causes produce great battles, great struggles, great acts of valor. So my, my main question for this morning is just simply this, there is a great battle being fought. Are we in the fight? There is a great battle being fought. And are we in the fight? This quote from Nate Saint. Nate Saint is um, one of the uh, fellow missionaries with Jim Elliott. Uh, who died in the, trying to reach the, the Warani Indians. Um, 1950s, a long time ago, but they, they, um, this is their quote from Nate Saint says this, says, people who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they too are expending their lives. And when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they have wasted. People asking them, why, did, why would they waste their lives working as missionaries to these unreached people? And he says they forget they too are wasting their lives. Everyone's expending their life. But the question is, when life has been wasted, when life has been spent, has it been spent for anything of significance? As we finish up this first chapter of Colossians, we're just going to spend some time thinking about verse 29. And 
here we see this heartbeat, this philosophy of Paul in the Christian work, in the Christian ministry. This incredible philosophy he has. Paul has a purpose, right? He wants to see everyone in the church presented mature. He says that earlier, just a few verses, that he wants to present everyone mature in Christ. So he's warning and teaching according to the gospel so that he can present them mature. He has this desire. And with this as his desire, what does he do? He preaches Christ. Him we proclaim. He's, he, has a, he has a great gospel message. He has a great Savior to let the world know about. He has a great Savior that will bring them to fruitful maturity. And so he's proclaiming Christ. It's, Christ is this mystery that's been made fully known. Mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed. Christ in you, in the church, in his people. The hope of glory. And so... There at the cross, Christ has come and has lived the righteous life we should have lived, died the death that we deserve. And so that at the cross, he takes his enemies and makes them heirs, like we read in Romans chapter 8, makes them his very own children. And Paul is engaged in this work of making the gospel known, spread throughout the world. And so the word he uses, he says, for this I toil, struggling, with all his energy on down. I want you to know, he says it twice. Don't get confused by the chapter break there. Those sentences are really, very close together in, in what he's saying. He says he's struggling with all his energy and he wants them to know how great a struggle I have had for you. He is struggling. He is toiling. He is working hard for this gospel message to be made known. Now he qualifies that struggle, he qualifies that toiling by saying, I am toiling, I am struggling with all his energy that he's powerfully working in me. Paul, struggling, toiling, working hard. God in him, through him, working powerfully. Which is it? Is it Paul working hard or is it God working hard through Paul? Is it Paul just by his own strength and his own energy working hard, presenting the gospel, bearing burdens, suffering, what he says, bearing up the, or piling up, lacking, filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction? Is it just Paul burdening himself with these afflictions or is it God moving through him for the message to be spent? Which of these is it? Was the ministry that, and purpose that Paul was engaged in, was it just his hard work or was it God's work in Paul? And the answer to that question is yes. That's what it was. <laughs> it was Paul's hard work and God's incredible work through Paul. It was both of these. Paul is engaged in hard work and God is also working through the life of Paul. Both of these realities are going on. And I think it's important to recognize that and to take time. This isn't typically the way we would work through just focusing on one verse here. But I think it's important because this is a familiar uh, worldview in the, in the mind of Paul. But we typically fall into one of the two ditches when it comes to this idea. We typically fall into the ditch of it is you some sort of legalism, some sort of works-based righteousness. It is you. You've got to be the one doing the work. 
If it's, if it's to be, it's up to me. And so you've got to be engaged in doing, checking off. You have your big checklist of all the things you've got to do. And so you've got 30 things on my list and I'm, I'm attacking those whatever things. And we maybe jump into that ditch and that becomes all that life is about. Or you're in the ditch of, well, if it's going to be, it's up to God. So I guess, I don't know, that's... If, if the wind blows in the right direction and somebody specifically says to me, can you tell me, talk to me about Jesus? What is it that Jesus did for me on the cross? Unless they ask me some specific question in that way, unless the Bible um, literally falls off the shelf and lands in front of us to read it, then I would read it. If God, you know, it's going to be, it's up to God. We typically fall into, and I'm being a little exaggerated there, but you understand what I'm saying. We fall into one of those two ditches. Paul doesn't have those ditches. Those imbalances end up either in burnt out self-importance or apathetic inactivity. Burnt out, I'm working, 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 and it just isn't bearing the fruit that I want to bear or whatever. And so burnt out frustration or just apathetic inactivity. And neither one of those are the heartbeat of Paul. He sees something different. He sees a God working on, working in what he is working on. There's a few other places we see this in Paul's thoughts. So I'll share them with you. You can look them up if you want to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Paul says, But by the grace of God, so who's doing the work? God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul is saying, I worked hard. The grace of God did all the work. I worked harder than anybody else. God did the work in me. And he doesn't see a contradiction between the, the reality of he worked hard, God did the work in him. He worked hard, God did the work, did the work in him. Philippians chapter 2 says it like this. This is verses 12 through 13. First one was 1 Corinthians 15, 10. This one is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. So he's saying you know, doing what God wants you to do. You've obeyed. And they did it when he was around because they were afraid of Paul would call him out on it and say, you need to be doing this. But now that he's not with them, even more so now, obey, he's saying. And to do what? To work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. To be working this reality of what Christ has done, work at it. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for, because, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He has both of these realities going on in his mind. Paul has this deep desire for the gospel to be made known throughout all the peoples of the world. So he is working, he is toiling, he is struggling to see this purpose fulfilled. Yet all the while he knows that it is ultimately not himself that is working, but God working powerfully through him. Yet all the while, though it is God working through him, it's important to note, I mean, he uses this word toil, struggle. It has this, it has this from the guts. I mean, in the Greek, it's kind of, this, it's an odd term. It's this 
you know, when you ever get trying to push a car out of a snowbank or something, you, you ever, you know, you're making some terrible grunt, Ugh, you're trying to get something done. That's that word. Yes, God does it. And in all of that, what is Paul doing? He is toiling, struggling that the gospel would be made known, that God's will would be done in his life. He is struggling and working with all of his energy. Is our faith a pillow or a weapon? Is our faith, is this reality, is this gospel, is a pillow or is it a weapon? Is our Christianity just a pill for comfort or a purpose to be pursued? Is our Christianity just a pill for comfort or is it a purpose to be pursued? I often stress past four years, all that's gone on in Darla and I's life, you know, I, I stress that the, the gospel is a warm blanket on a cold night. When life is dark, when times are tough, when, when hard things happen, when, circum when life goes upside down, and you realize that the gospel comes to you and calls you child and God makes you his own and promises you an eternal inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, as 1 Peter says, it is a real foundation to, to sink yourself upon when life is scary and upside down. And I stress that a lot. I try to stress for you that as the difficulties of life come your way, which they will, the gospel has real comforts. Why Jesus is able to say, come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. That's why Jesus is able to say that. Absolutely is true. When life is upside down, when you are heartbroken, when worry attaches itself to you, starts to strangle you, the promises put forward in the gospel are absolutely a firm foundation to anchor your life upon. There's no way to deny, to deny that, and I never would. But if that is all the gospel is for you, then you don't have a Pauline theology. You don't have a full biblical theology. I'm not saying it's less than that, so, but stick with me. You do not have a full biblical theology. Listen to Paul's, Tim, Paul's admonition to, to young Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, the end of his letter to, the first letter to, to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses, starting in verse 11, he says this, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And talking about the sinful desires there in, the, in Ephesus that's around him. As for you, O man of God, flee these things. Instead, pursue Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul is calling it here the fight of the faith. So which is it? Is Christianity comfort, a pillow to lay your head on at night? Or is it a fight? Is it something to take, to move forward with, to impact the world around you with? Is it, which is it? 
Is, is it Jesus saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light? Or is it Matthew 16, 20, which the, my yoke is easy, burden is light, is Matthew 11, chapter 11, verse 30. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says that we are anyone uh, that wants to follow him must deny themselves, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. Well, that don't sound like a pillow, does it? <laughs> it doesn't. If you think about taking up a cross, he's talking about a crucifixion, that those who are to follow Jesus are going to be engaged in a struggle. Well, that's not a pillow. You don't lay your head down on, the, on, on a cross. Which is it? It is both. I think wrongly, if we could go to a tachometer, maybe that works better in our culture than I often talk about, often talk about ditches. But maybe we could talk about tax. You know, it's got the RPMs on your car. Some of you are totally lost. And some of you are just like, yeah, Darren, don't, don't bother explaining it. But, but you know, and you got your, it, it registers your RPMs. And you can redline it up at, you know, seven, 8,000 RPMs. Or it can be, if it's sitting still, it's down, it's shut off at the zero RPMs. And so we think, you know, zero RPMs is kind of the, you know, just Christianity. Ah, oh, it's just easy. And then, and then the fight of the faith or whatever is this. That's, that's redline Christianity. And so we got to settle here about 3,000 RPM. We want to be kind of comforted by Christianity, but kind of pushed on by Christianity. You know, we've got to kind of find this middle ground. That's not, no, it's two tacks. It's two different tack on, it's two RPM gauges. It's two whatever gauges. And you want both of them to be redlined. You want both of them to be redlined. You want both of them to be as, as going as hard as they can. You want to drive and, and comfort and anchor yourself to the comforts of the gospel as deeply as you can and be driven toiling and struggling because this good news, everyone needs to hear it. This, this being, as Romans 8 talked about, what is the purpose he's working there? To be conformed to the image of his son. This call in Christianity to be conformed to the image of his son is accomplished as we toil and struggle with all the energy Christ powerfully works in us. Are we engaged in that fight? Both tacks, both ideas, both concepts, redlined, pushed to the hilt, comforted in the cross, comforted with the gospel, and yet fighting that God's purposes would be accomplished. Are you struggling for your own sanctification? Everyone struggles under something. We're going to struggle in this life. You're going to struggle. I mean, there's just no way around it. If your life has been struggle-free, you are an outlier. <laughs> I don't know how you've not had it, but I mean, everyone, you're going to have struggles in this life. Everyone struggles under various difficulties, but what are you struggling for? We all struggle under things, but what are you struggling for that you want to see accomplished, that you want to see the mission go forward, that you want to see God's will done? We wait, we spend so much time figuring out how to survive struggling under things, which is commendable because there are lots of things to struggle under. And we do need the, the comforts of the gospel. But that is not the full picture. Paul, likewise his church, struggling, fighting the fight of faith. What are you struggling for? Christianity is fascinating in that it is at the same time an absolute joy and and. and, and the proclamation of, of absolute joy and satisfaction in who Christ is, satisfied in what Christ has done for me, and yet at the same time, a constant struggle 
for the forward momentum of the church. If you only know pillow top Christianity, (laughs) you're missing the whole picture. You're missing the whole picture. So what are some of the struggles? Are you struggling for your own sanctification? For your own, and I buy that, for your own growth and godliness. Does that make more sense? For your own intimacy with God. Are you fighting for that? Because showing up on church on a Sunday morning is good and commendable, and I'm glad you're here, and I love the gathering of the local body. But if the only time you read your Bible is when I read it aloud to you, you have to ask, am I really fighting for my growth and godliness? Or am I just kind of passively... I don't know, unconsciously absorbing whatever. I'm I'm struggling under, but I'm not struggling for. Are you struggling for? Are you prevailing in prayer? Is the only time that you pray is when I make you bow your head here on a Sunday morning and and approach the throne of God and and then you think, boy, he goes on a long time. Is Is that the only time you're praying? Then you have to ask, are you struggling for your own sanctification? Prevailing and... I've got to be honest with you, according to Paul, there's going to be times that feels like a real struggle. We, we were so easily discouraged when we think, oh, well, I shouldn't have to struggle at this. I should just want to skip into church every Sunday. I should just want to, my Bible should just always be the book I want to read. Time and prayer with God should, oh, and there are times that prayer with God, that coming into the church is a joy. There are times that it is uh, to, to, to spend time in prayer and rejoicing. They are just the heartbeat of who you are. But I think closer to the truth is there are times that it will be a struggle. It will be a fight. Don't be surprised by that, but dig into that. To this end, I toil and struggle with all the energy that God so powerfully works in me. Are you engaged in the struggle? Are you struggling to kill sin in your life? Are you struggling to kill sin? Are you aware even that that's something that you should be doing? Bible talks about it as killing sin. Not placating sin. Not playing with sin. Not seeing, you know, how, how grouchy, how unforgiving can I be without going too far? <laughs> no, it is to be killing sin. And that is going to be a struggle because sin, believe it or not, presents itself as very attractive to, it, to us. Does it not? Sinful reactions, they're second nature. We don't even have to try to, boy, how can I do the wrong thing here? It just comes flying right out of us. So it is a struggle. Are you engaged in the struggle of killing sin? Romans 8, 13, we just read it this morning, that if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Are you engaged in that struggle? Are you struggling in your ministry? Now you say, well, Darren... (laughs) You're the minister. I just show up at church. No. You have every member of the church of Christ is a member sent on mission. The Great Commission applies not just to pastors, not just to missionaries, but to us all. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them in the name of Jesus. That is the commission for Christians Are you engaged and struggling in your ministry? You have people in your circle of influence that do not know and do not love Jesus. And it is going to be, they they won't set foot in the church. They won't watch our non-functioning live stream (laughs) because they can't. (laughs) They won't download the podcast and listen to a sermon. They have no interest, but you're in their life. You're in their life. 
you are in their circle of influence, maybe for the explicit purpose of struggling for the gospel. It is going to be a struggle. It's very rare. I mean, it might happen where they would ask you, please tell me why you go to church. Please tell me why Jesus means so much to you. Please tell me why there's a cross on churches. They might, and then you better jump on the opportunity if they do. But more likely, it's going to be a struggle. Praying for them, engaging them in conversation. We know this is work. It is uncomfortable. It's anxiety-producing. It is a struggle. But it is a struggle that God wants to see happen, and one that He will come in and provide strength for as we struggle. We do not struggle alone. That's what's so interesting about Paul's thinking here, right? He's toiling, he's struggling, and he's doing it all with the energy that God so powerfully works in him. Are you struggling for joy in all things? Those are all kind of active things that we can have a tangible, like, okay, this. But just the struggle, the fight for joy is a struggle. I mean, this is, kind of, this is kind of merging the pillow top and the fight of the faith at the same time, but both of these realities got to exist. Are you fighting for joy in all things? It's a fight. It's a fight to have a bad diagnosis. It's a fight to have things go the way you don't want them to go. It's a fight that when, when relationships break up, when, when just, just darkness and, and sorrow and depression comes upon you, it is a fight to fight for joy in Jesus. Are you engaged in the fight, though, that there is something in Christ, there is a joy in Jesus to be sought after in the face of all circumstances, and it is a fight. Don't be discouraged if there are areas in your life that are a struggle, toil, struggle, work. Do it with all of the energy that God willingly supplies. Why? Because there is an energy that God does provide. There is an energy that God does provide, and there is a true joy to be found in Him. This morning, a little different out of me, but what I'm calling for is I'm calling you to fight, toil, struggle, that God's purposes would be worked in your very own life. Struggle, toil, that God's purposes would be worked in this church, in this community, that God's mission would advance in Ringland County. And make no mistake, it is going to be toil and struggle and work, but it is a toil and a struggle and a work with all the energy that God so powerfully works in us. There is so much to be done. Don't reduce your Christianity to just be about fluffing the pillow of your life. Make this as soft as I can for myself. The gospel gives incredible comforts, but that is not all that it does. There is much sharpening that needs to happen. There is personal sanctification that ought to happen in your heart. There is sin that ought to be killed. There, is, there are people around us who are lost and dying and, yes, going to hell. That is a reality. Are you struggling for any of those things? Are we engaged in the fight? Jesus died not only to save us, not only to save you, but to empower you. The Holy Spirit has been poured out, convicting people of the world of sin and unrighteousness, but also giving gifts for us to walk in and empowering God's people for meaningful service. Don't you want to live for something? Not just live through some things. Don't you want to live for something? 
You are spending your life, we all are, as the Nate Saint quote said, we all are spending our life on something. Are we spending it for something of truly of value? The gospel is worth fighting for. The glory of God is worth struggling and toiling and fighting for. Join with all the energy that God supplies. He supplies it as the struggle goes on. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And as you're working it out, it is God who is working it in you. As you go, he goes with you. Join with all the energy that God supplies in toiling for the fame of his name. As we take communion this morning, we all have, I don't know if this has been convicting to you at all. It's convicting to me to hear of the toil that I should be engaged in and I know I am not. This is why the gospel is beautiful. If you find yourself off of the fight, what, what Christ has done has come to offer forgiveness and restoration. This taking of communion, in one sense, is a call to fight for your own joy in Jesus and for his purposes in the world. So as we take communion this morning, let's confess are there things in our hearts that we should be turning from? Is there an apathy that we should be turning from? Is God calling us to be strong, to step out, to say something, to fight, to toil, to struggle on his behalf? Let's think of those things. Let's rejoice. And then what communion tells us, that Christ has come, has suffered to make sinners righteous. And let's rejoice in who he is. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning. Break our hearts. Break our hearts for this community, for this church, for our neighbors. Break our hearts for our own families, for our own children. Father, that, that the, the fame of the gospel, the good news would be spread around the globe, starting right in our houses and spreading from there on out around Ringle County to, to all places. Spread it, God, because of the, the joy that is found there. And I pray that this morning, as we come to communion, not only would we find it a great comfort, which it is, a great solace in the midst of the storms of life that we are yours, that nothing can take us from your hands. May we find it this morning, God, a great comfort and a great call. This is something to be lived for, not only lived in, but also to be lived for. God, do that work in our hearts as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.